0: This week on Sean Murray's International Film Festival, me and guest Giro Albarino are talking 10-year anniversary of The Raid, the Tragedy of Macbeth trailer, and the Matrix Resurrections trailer. Check it out right now. Ah, that's got to be good. Oh, I'm really excited about this flick. Ladies and gentlemen, please
1: notice that exits are conveniently located at the front
0: and rear of, the so of this auditorium. Silence your cell phones now. Welcome to the International Film Festival This is week two of the festival And uh, this is the only film festival that you only listen to um, I'm here with This is an exciting guest to have on the show Second guest And this is the person who actually got me into Like critically uh, appreciating and studying movies Tell them again <laughs> This is uh it's Gerald Albarino, my good friend. It's me. It's uh, your boy. Friends since high school. I remember so Gerald got me into movies because I remember he was telling me about reservoir dogs when we were in high school and he was like, You gotta watch this movie. And he was like, uh, it stars Steve Buscemi. And I was like, I don't know who that is. And he was like, uh, it's the guy. And I was like, Oh, oh. and then we get into an argument about it and I was like, Oh, it's the the weird guy from the Adam Sandler movies. Um No we were, no we weren't talking about Reservoir Dogs, we were talking about something else and we were talking about some movie, and I was like, the weird guy from the Adam Sandler movies, and he was like, Steve Buscemi. I was like, I don't I don't know that, that name. It's the weird guy from the Adam Sandler movie. He's like Steve Buscemi. And I was like, I don't know that name. So I went home and I looked it up. And I was like, oh, that's. Who's, and I was like, that was the first time, like, other than like a Tom Hanks or a Leonardo DiCaprio, that I actually knew an actor's name that wasn't like a star. And it made me like start to like look beyond just like knowing it. Like, yeah, everybody knows St- Spielberg, everybody knows George Lucas or whatever. But at that point, I was like, I got to start like learning directors' names and actors' names and like like what movies are about and then like there's like probably this is sophomore year of high school and i would i would not be doing this podcast now if it wasn't for giro so
1: well i i think you should lap on the praise um heavier it's but it's great to be here at the <laughs> international film festival that you can only listen to um i just think it, to comment on what you said on the introduction is it a coincidence it's always tarantino i was just reflecting on like wow i owe everything in movies to my dad who is the me in my in our, my situation who's also named giro by the way so it must be in the name um, but is Tarantino was the guy where I was like, oh, I don't know enough about this thing that I kind of love and I should look more into it. It's yours is a little bit more indirect, but Reservoir Dogs, Steve Buscemi, I mean.
0: No, it is. I think anyone under the age of, I would say like around 40, um, give or take, and not anyone, but like, you know, like most people under age who got like, who are super like into films. I think Tarantino is like one of the like. Five quintessential like this is this was my entry point into movies would it be like Tarantino, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson for some, Wes Anderson for some, um, Spike Lee for some, mm-hmm. um. There's a couple more but like uh those are like the you know like the huge like um like you know like I feel like younger people now would be like uh Jordan Peele is going to be a big one for a lot of people yes. going forward. Kugler. Kugler for sure. Yep. Um Ava DuVernay perhaps. Um and it's, you know there's a bunch but I think those are like So yeah it, is, it makes perfect sense. Like I mean especially for our age group like people who are slightly above um older than us would have known Tarantino as like he was the coolest like coolest director at the time. You know what I mean? I mean I mean he's still one of the, the best directors but like Tarantino, 90s into 2000s was like he was there's nobody cooler in movies. You know what I mean? Like I'm not well behind the camera. It
1: hasn't happened again. It's like that that pair the 76 and 99. Uh, it might be 96 too, which is too clean for me. So I might I think it's 96 too. I think it's 76 and 96 where it's like okay, Scorsese, um, Scorsese, Coppola, Lumet, like everyone's at the peak of their games, churning out movies. In and then on the 96, it was the list that you just put that short list. Uh, PTA um, so on which I wish we hopefully you'll get me on for another PTA episode because I have some hot takes for him um, <laughs> I just want to say off the bat the man he coasts off originality um, and I think that there's a there's a sense to that that Lynch got um, checked for Lynch got suffered the punishment that I think I um, PTA has basically reveled in that light of the shadow of Lynch mm. um, whereas Arnofsky just drowned in it right and he, yeah, yeah. he he didn't even make it out of the shadow but I just look at a lot of uh, the stuff PTA does and I do just think this is original right? Paul this Thomas Anderson for the lady. Paul, yeah sorry about that Paul Thomas Anderson this is original I rewatched Magnolia which up until yesterday or two days ago was my favorite PTA in preparation I thought we were going to do Soggy Bottom here or like some prep on that um and I was just like, this is the this is the result of a self indulgent young man, um, that is being unfettered by the Hollywood movie system because people believe in him. Um and I think he's gotten more leash than anyone else. He's the least prolific, least um, successful, most um forgotten about in a good way, in the sense that he is not criticized at the level a Tarantino or a Cohen is, is criticized. So he gets to have almost a unbreakable shell of perfection right where he's just he's great for those independent art films cinephiles and he people who are not that don't even pay attention to his movies whereas if you're not a cinephile you're gonna go see a tarantino movie right yeah, yeah, yeah. if you're not a cinephile you're gonna go see a cohen movie and i think that when he hits like inherent vice has become my favorite like one of my it's one of my favorite movies i feel like that is a non-self-indulgent movie there will be blood same thing
0: but then you go to the. I watched Boogie Nights again, man. Not for me. That's crazy. I love Boogie Nights. I. It, I also. I. I think Magnolia is not a perfect movie, but I think Magnolia has like a, the originality point is I think well taken. And I think it's, it's it's a fair point. But I think wh- you gotta treat
1: me nicer, Dad. That's the re, that's the resolution for the entire well, story that's, of that's, that kid. Well,
0: that's always been my take on Field of Dreams. Actually, I hate Field of Dreams, and Never I always seen it, feel like yeah. that movie is just. Like if they just skip to the end where he uh, sorry to spoil it if you have uh, I know did, they build the field of but, dreams yeah, like, and they call like, him yeah just skip to the end and just play just say I miss my dad I used to always yeah. I always like people who love Field of Dreams i always like troll them by saying like this movie could have just been uh Kevin Costner walking up to the uh, uh, like on a blank screen and just saying I miss my dad <laughs> and that would have been the whole like it's it's field a whole of- lot of uh Field of Dreams is the equivalent
1: of a baseball movie and Scarface is to a gangster movie. Where it's like, it has all the things you think you want out of that type of movie. And then when you really think about it, it's like, I mean, to me, The Natural has become my favorite. Sandlot is just like, Baked into me, it's it's biased, right?
0: I can't even dissociate from how much I well, love that it, movie. yeah, it's it's it, that's that there's a sentimental value to alive for most people. That that's not going to be uh, but well, that's the same thing with Field of Dreams, though. It's like people have a sentimental attachment to it because like I love my dad too, and I would love, I wish I could still play catch with my dad too. But um, a lot of people have that, and then that kind of colors their like that. I don't think it's a good. I think I think it's like a pretty bad movie. But um, uh, what was I going to say? Boogie Nights. But, but uh, well, Boogie Nights and Magnolia. I think the thing I love about Magnolia, like. It's got such great characters. It got such great craft. Like even when it doesn't fully work, it and that's a, I think that's the difference between a lot of like um, something being bad and something being like wh- why he can take these big swings like Magnolia, like because it's like I mean Frank T J Mackey, uh, I love that character. Like divorced of like whether the, the movie totally works, I think it's just I just I'm engaged. I, I wish Cruz kills it. He's incredible, and incredible. I wish we got to see more of. I wish more directors got a chance to tap into what, like, crews outside. Mission Impossible movies is probably my favorite, like, big to- other than Oceans, is probably my favorite big time mainstream, uh, like, popcorn fair of a series. I think it's everything that people love. Fast and Furious movies—it's everything that people claim those movies are. It's excellent, but I wish I would, we got to see more of Tom Cruise being an actor because like, he gets such an incredible performance. He out taps of into Cruise. something
1: that's so real though, because that is him though, right? Yeah. Because that is what Tom—that's Tom Cruise's ego, right? But, that's well, uh, that's just well, fully like, it's, his it's, ego. It's, it's
0: when with the great um, uh, there's actors who who are who are, has such a talent of like. Like when somebody gets something good out of Adam Sandler, and mm-hmm. Adam Sandler's good, but but like when, when a dramatic director gets something good out of Adam Sandler, they key in on okay, this is what he's good at. Let's repurpose it. Like Adam Adam Sandler's characters always often have a lot of rage, you know, but it's comedic rage. What if we repurpose that into nervous and like aggression, pure anxiety, anxiety? Yeah. and and you get Punch Drug Love, amazing, Again, PTA, amazing. um, you get Uncut Gems, you get um. Even um, the Myerich stories, uh, Noah Baumbach, the Netflix movie. I, if you haven't seen that, that is uh, to the listeners out there. That's a very good underrated Netflix movie from 2018 or 19. Um, Dustin Hoffman, uh, Adam Sandler. Um, there's a bunch of other people I haven't seen it in
1: ben, a while Ben uh um, oh Ben Stiller yeah Ben Stiller it's a really Sandler.
0: good movie <laughs> ben ma- imagine that human being <laughs> that, oh man <laughs> might, be <the> funniest, <laughs> that that might be the funniest he would be the being. funniest person of the 90s he would yeah. be like like there would be no one funnier from 1990 to 2002 versus Jerry like it would in, that, that 19- Sa- Seinfeld.
1: Yeah. Like, it'd be like just Jerry versus them two <laughs> yeah, combined yeah. could could handle it um, real quick though I want to say i Boogie Nights because I want to say I think Boogie Nights might be one of the best metaphors for the film industry of all time. I love, as someone who want, is aspiring to make more films and learn how to do it and understands the difficult, the decision of, do I do this independently and raise funding for something that no one will watch or do I, you know, or do I fall in? And then also the dilemma of once I fall in, what do people want now? Yeah. Um. Anyways, the, the, there's so much good in that. I just think that in the end he takes at that point he was a young writer and he took the wrong he, he, you shouldn't have shown the dick at the end, right? That's my, to me, it's like you have you have mastered. You have done it so much. I it's there's the there's the great it's a fifty-fifty coin flip, but to me that shows someone who has room to grow, right? Whereas I can
0: see I can see that, I can see that point. Um It's it, <laughs> PTA is such a great director though when you could say like there's a lot like th- that you just said out of your mouth. He shouldn't have shown the dick at the end. Like, that's such a funny thing. Like, and everyone not, knows what I'm talking yeah, about. Especially if you haven't seen Boogie Nights. Like, that's such a, like, a weird thing. But, like, it's a great movie. Uh, and, and it, but this is not a PTA episode. We'll get can, to I, PTA can I say in one more dream. thing? Yeah.
1: I apologize. In Magnolia, when I say self indulgent, three, three main plot lines going on essentially that are getting interwoven. If he took away one, the other two would have been so much better. Now, it's hard to pick which one. I think it's the cop and the daughter of of the producer of the show, mm-hmm. right? I mean the the host of the show. Even though that's m- maybe the best moment, it's hard to pick, right? But indulgent. That's the type of thing that I expect someone who's a uh, artist above me to have the 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 class sorry, to have the wherewithal to realize I need to edit and I need to pick one of these and not indulge myself fully. Anyways, that was my last thing. Love PTA. What he, His shit is better than 98% of everything else. So well, yeah, I mean, it's on a yeah, scale. think it's like one of
0: those things where you, uh, my bad. Um, you have to, you're criticizing him because he's that great, though. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, but let's go. Sorry. Okay, we got it. We're going to get to the, I'm calling the newsletter segment uh in a second. But first, I have these questions I ask every guest. On the show, mm-hmm. um so I'm gonna start with what's the first movie you ever remember seeing?
1: So first movie I ever remember seeing is Snow White and the Seven doors on VHS. um Ran that thing dry. I that was mean, like
0: a, you, that was big for you. Pounded it
1: till it was literally. When I say dry, I mean like the film was like no longer able to be used by time I was done with it. First movie though, I like to make a distinction that I ever saw in theaters. Uh, Star Wars: New Hope. When they re-released it in theaters, awesome. I remember the gummy. I got gummy bears, and my dad got snow caps. I used to always get gummy bears. And it was just like movies were made for me. I'm tingling just talking about it because <laughs> it's just like that was the day That's I the walked incredible out of first
0: movie. Though. An unbelievable. Yeah. And, and yeah.
1: to think about it, parallel to my dad who was born in '69. So when Star Wars gets released, what is it? '77. 77. So he's eight. So, so he's eight. So I'm pretty much seeing. I'm five. I think when yeah. I, when they re-released it. I'm experiencing the same. Eight, uh, am I the same, the same psychological age, yeah, yeah, stage? You yeah. know, this perceiving it's, this you, thing. That's your formative experience for movies—is seeing that. That's incredible. And I just got. And they released it once, like every month. It was yeah. like it was four, five, and six. It was like it was like the three best first movies you could have ever watched. Yeah. on. on
0: yeah. me, Amen. Isn't that amazing though? Snow White twice. Last week, uh, Cowboy. I was asking him. Um, I'm gonna get to the question later, but I asked him something. He, I love he the said Snow White. So it's funny that uh, Snow White came up. Uh, twice um okay worst movie you ever saw in theaters Ooh. um i've already wasted so much time i'm
1: gonna have to pass on this one uh there's not many i i really like the movie theater experience and i normally seem like i like to yeah i like to have fun i, I don't can't like, remember mine either because
0: yeah. i'm especially once i got older i got very selective about oh, the movies i would even choose to see i know what it is it's, it's captain america
1: the first one I fell That's asleep. the worst movie. I, I went to go see the midnight premiere and I felt, it's the only midnight premiere I've ever fell asleep <laughs> at. Um, and I was just like, I who knows what, school, by the way, school schedule should be illegal. It was like, we were waking up at 6 a.m., staying up till 2 a.m. Like, it's insane the amount of like energy you the have. The insane. Then, and it's like, yeah. So anyways, I might've been dead from, you know, working a job, you know what I'm saying, while in high school, but. I remember falling asleep, which means I don't remember the movie, which means I didn't like it enough.
0: That's fair enough. Um, no, somebody had a great tweet uh, a, a while back where it's just like, the, the concept of school is so insane. Like, we were running, they had us running laps at like 7 a.m. and they go into class sweaty. <laughs> like, it doesn't make any sense. Um, your favorite sequel? With a number? No, just favorite oh, sequel.
1: Favorite sequel? Um... Wow, I feel like there's a really easy one for me right now, and I cannot think of it. Favorite sequel.
0: Does not have, like, have to be like, it's not like um, a direct gun to sequel. your head. Like yeah. It's like, well, it is gun to your head. It's not like, uh, I'm not going to hold this against you when you die. Like, well, Gerald told me actually, his favorite sequel on the podcast was this, and in his diary, I found out that his favorite sequel was something, like, you'll be fine.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I got a, I guess it'll be a horrible one, Um, but it is one I come to probably the most often, and I, I would say it's Kill Bill 2. Um, that woman deserves Cuba, her revenge, and we deserve to die. Yeah, is one of the it's best one of the lines, favorite lines ever. ever. Yeah, we talk about that line all the time. All the time. It's better in the first movie, technically. Uh, yeah. when he initially cut it. But um, yeah, and yeah. What's the next one? Favorite
0: movie with a number in the title.
1: I'm gonna drop a little movie knowledge because I want to do that when I stop by on the uh, in the in the international community. Godfather Two, mm. because Godfather Two was the first movie to ever have a number in it. Was it? Think about it, bro. I don't think that's true. It's definitely true. If for real. Godfather 2. It's the first time about, they named uh, a movie a sequel with a number. Oh, you mean a sequel with a number? A sequel. Okay, not, okay. not like having numbers. Yeah, no, I don't want What about 8mm? Or Assault on Precinct 13. Yeah, you know, like, no, not, not yeah, to yeah. contain I want to say
0: that's... To that, be, but it's the first one to that's be... That's fascinating though.
1: And it's like Coppola, you're just changing the game just like... And also Mario Puzo's, you know, like to yeah, do yeah, that. Yeah. Like
0: just, I don't know. Just well, you know what's funny about that is that is my least favorite um Godfather one's way better, by the way. I like I like I love Godfather too. I love them both. But uh, that's my least favorite convention in Hollywood is putting a, n- a number at the end of it because it's I don't know how they do it is because they don't expect audiences to remember like like um if they just named uh Raiders of the Lost Ark Raiders of the Lost Ark and then they came out with um uh, uh it's a he- hidden temple it's like the it's um the evil temple temple of doom temple of doom yes if they just named it oh it? if they didn't have the Indiana Jones thing on front of it people they they figured like people wouldn't like for, for movies that don't have like the Indiana Jones and the they don't believe that audiences were, would remember would realize that this is the same series so mm-hmm. if it was like um uh I don't know. If, if the Indiana if, Jones, was if great it was example. The Godfather, right, and yep. then and then the second movie was called Michael Corleone's Big Day Off or whatever. <laughs> That'd be great. They don't think that people would know that it's. So they, they started putting the two on there. So he's like this is the same series, but we're not going to say The Godfather. Like it's not going to be like Indiana Jones. But it's like Indiana Jones and the. It wouldn't be like The Godfather and the. Revenge of the, you know what I mean? Well, I
1: think it's the worst thing in the world because, like, for instance, my, every time my girlfriend like says "I love you," I say "I love you too." Colon the squeakle, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. I always whatever two, and then I'll pick a really bad number two in a movie series franchise, and it's just like you can. It's just it's it, the fact that I'm just kind of lobbing them up. You know what I'm saying? It's like I think you made a good distinction, though. I'm okay with numbers only if there is not a colon. Like, Godfather 2 is good, because there is no Godfather 2 Michael Corleone's Revenge or The yeah. Rise of Corleone. It's just Godfather 2. I hate when it's Indiana Jones is it indiana jones 2 it's not right it is indiana jones in the temple i of like Doom. that what i'm
0: saying ta- what i'm saying is i don't like just a
1: number because it, it's like just come up with a cool title for the second I, movie I, cool title is the best part of making any art i love of it any of any is literally Dude, the best I literally feeling have,
0: i have a document in my phone where it's just like titles i have like, i don't even know what the project is going to be just titles of things that like this sounds cool i will write this down so i have a lot of that it's um, my favorite all right. Do we have another one? we have Never, one last one? Uh, matinee or Packed House? If you're watching a- Oh, uh, uh,
1: matinee all day long, man. Interesting. I am a empty- If you, if I had the theater to myself, it would be too full. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love an empty theater. Me and you skipping school to go watch movies at the Criterion. Like, that, that is great. some of the best memories I ever have. Yeah. Um, I like to concentrate. I like to focus. Um, Increasingly so. Um, I like to take notes. And if I can do that in a movie theater, that'd be great. Uh, a lot of times I can't. Um, I don't feed off the crowd. Um, I'm very, um, like, when in The Watchmen, like, uh, when I went to go see that in premiere. Uh, I think, doc, uh, what do you call it? Dr. Manhattan, like, eviscerates a, a Vietnamese woman through, like, a grate. Mm-hmm. Or it's like the comedian shoots her and then he, like, explodes yeah, yeah. people. And you just, like, see the skeleton of the guy on the yeah. crate. And people are shot. just laughing. And I'm just, like, crying you know what I'm saying because yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like wow you guys are just you just are revealing the mirror to yourself and how horrible of a person you are That you, yeah. you're, you're finding joy in this and so at that moment I'm like I
0: need to remove myself from any audience participation and yeah <laughs> that's my little anecdote I got two things for that yeah. one w- watching Watchmen in the theaters is one of the worst experiences I've ever had in a movie not because of the quality of the movie it's like me, and my dad, and my brother went to go see it, and we were. They sat us in the very front row, ooh, so we had to crane, like just ooh. lean back. and like. Even though no, no matter how far you lean back, you'll never get a good angle, and it'll never be comfortable. It's just like having to like, like be at a like a like a seventy degree angle the entire time to try to watch a movie. Were you in the center, dead center? That's actually the worst. If you're yeah. if you're that low, you actually want to be on a corner, yeah. so you can like look kind of yeah, up yeah, you kind of angle you're- your body. A little- yeah, it's awful. It was it was it was like you you can't enjoy the movie like there's. I know I know like there are limitations to like like space and like zoning laws, but like they need to make the the first row of the theater like twenty yards back from where it currently is, so that like there shouldn't be there should be no row, really, in a theater where you can't especially the front row because like it's funny too, because the front row is the is like the worst place you would want to be in a concert, best place to be In a movie the absolute worst spot to be. and it's also. Like, you'd, you'd be more likely, uh, like, normally, if you showed up so late to something, you're going to end up with a seat in the back, which sucks. But in a movie, like, <laughs> it, it starts from the back and it fills up, like like a school bus. Like, you're going to end up in the front, like, next to the bus driver. Ladies driving. and gentlemen,
1: we're watching a bit be formed right now. He's, he is <laughs> finding the logical inconsistencies of things right now. And, yeah, I see a bit forming. Go ahead. Um, there was another thing you wanted to talk about with that on the audience participation.
0: Oh, well, that's the thing. Like, it depends on the movie for me. Because sometimes, when it's a great movie and and everyone's on the same page, it's just like it. You can't beat it. Like everyone be, but like I have seen a number of movies where, and I think we have been this these people before. Like just laughing at something that's not like when we were teenagers is yeah. like. But like, yeah, I mean, people could absolutely ruin a, a, a movie. Um, it's not even ruin the movie, but ruin an experience of watching a movie, especially if it's your first time seeing it. It's like, I wish like I wish people were more respectful of the the movie theater. Like, yeah. Also, more I, like really a library. Treat, I really treat it as like a, a a sacred place in a lot of like I have there've been times when I've used pull up my phone in a movie or whatever. And I and I and I hate myself for it. Like, I'm I'm uh I'm very hesitant to do that, but it it sucks to see um to see how people just like behave in movie theaters. It's like it also It's atrocious. The problem is some a lot of times like like people laughing at that scene in Watchmen, right? Like everyone's not um you're not going to a theater necessarily with with like-minded people which is fine but it's like sometimes people don't like you know young teens or like people who are skeptical of certain things they're gonna laugh at stuff or or, or like um be skeptical of certain things weird because they're not following the same way you're following because so, everyone's not connected to it the same way so it it, it could it really change the experience but like I feel like for like big time big movies like a blockbuster I, I love a back theater for like a smaller like an indie movie I remember one time I saw the handmaiden. Uh, Park Chan Wook's him in at the Criterion in the smallest theater they have. It was it was just me in there. It, it was it felt like I was like in my 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 own personal like um, basement movie. It was perfect, amazing. But um, next question: least favorite movie from your favorite director?
1: Least favorite movie from my favorite director, or one of your favorite directors? It would have to be Blood Simple. I mean, like if I Cohen Brothers have become my new default. Like they're not the the glam. I've always like to have a better sexier pick. Um, but in discussing this with you and not wanting to be fake. I just have been like I think they just produce the most consistent. They have they have hit every genre. They are hilarious while sim- uh, simultaneously completely morbid. Um, the acting performances, uh, just everything they're able to do. And to me, they were the first uh, director I noticed editing. I was like, oh, this, something about the way this film is being cut is creating is telling a story, right? Um, and then the Deacon's, uh cinematography, normally being lended is also another bonus. Um, I will say Blood Simple, though, um, it is not. It, you you see a lot of the the tenets of what's to come, but I see it. I think Raising Arizona is more of their first movie. I I think people project what they want to see onto Blood Simple. I think they 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 project the Coen Brother stuff there, but he they were nowhere near what they were. I I couldn't. Trying to remove myself from my from myself, I, I try to. I think they wouldn't have. It wouldn't have been a guarantee. I wouldn't have seen that movie and been like, "These guys got something." Raising Arizona, I would have walked out a little like, "I don't
0: know." I think that's true of a lot of directors, where it's like because you know who they turn out to be in their later works. It. Like, cause like, um, uh, Tarantino's true first movie is this movie that never got finished or like the. the print I still was haven't seen it yet. My best friend's birthday. I never mm-hmm. seen it either, but. I'm sure if you saw that movie, you wouldn't say, like, this guy's going to be the, the biggest thing. And, you know, this guy's got to direct big time pictures. Like, yeah. you know, it's not going to be. Like, it would be.
1: There's a witticism probably one every 10 pages yeah, of, it, of the screenplay. It... And they're like, oh, maybe he's got some good dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like.
0: Um, uh, final question. Uh, f- preferred movie snack. Like, if you were. What's your ideal? Um, I think my favorite
1: is is popcorn, if I had to just keep it simple. Um, but shout out Mr. Robot with the popcorn and uh, M&M's. Yes. I'm going to raise it up another step. You can do popcorn, gummy beers, and M&M's, or just gummy beers and M&M's. And gummy beers and M&M's are a wild <laughs> no, I combo. Saying, that's
0: insane. That's...
1: That you better be prepared. <laughs> Don't it... feed that to children, people. Like That, yeah, is, that uh... is that is gremlin juice. <laughs> <laughs> You're making me jealous. I'm going to go. I'm going to scoot over there. You stall for time. I'm going to get a beverage.
0: Yeah, so um, I'm going to introduce uh, a segment that I want to do every week. Just covering movie news, what's happening in the world of movies, what people are talking about. So it's called the Shomer International Film Festival Newsletter, Um, where we talk about uh, what's happening in the news. I think one of the biggest things that's happened in the last couple weeks was the Matrix Resurrections trailer. Um, Always going to be Matrix 4 in May. Always gonna be. I'm never gonna call it Matrix resurrection. I'm not, I'm not either, but I'm just calling it just for uh, let, the, let the fans know. Yeah. yeah um. What do you what are, your, what are your thoughts? What are you How how are you feeling about the Matrix trailer?
1: Uh, um. From the concept, I normally would be skeptical. Um. If you go back and review the Wachowskis' work, um. It's phenomenal. I mean, Speed Racer was the thing that made me realize. Like, I mean, it sucks. Matrix is obvious, but like, in going back and reviewing. Uh, even Jupiter uh, ascending, Jupiter mm-hmm. rising, and Jupiter ascending—it's ascending. they are an unbelievable rivaling the Cohens. They are like the 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 more uh, the more fantastical. They go into they take they're not realist right. They go into more fantastical um, plots. And when I heard Lana was going to do it by herself, I was a little skeptical at first. And then I was like, they have everything to lose. These guys are, and I mean these guys in the proverbial sense, and these women are insanely creative mm-hmm. and have a a boatload of i'm sure scripts that they have ready to go right now why why matrix four there must be a story that needs to be told there must be another furthering of the allegory there is something that is left to be undone that we can't know so i have faith i have i have matrix like faith in this fourth um i think keanu's um reprisal sing uh signals a lot guy not that he doesn't miss but he's selective i know it sounds weird but he's selective with his movies he could easily have done a couple of different his careers could have went a different way and uh i think the fact again everything to lose everything to lose so i have faith um i'm not trying to figure it out i want to go and just let the movie tell me what it's well, about
0: yeah. I, um it's one of those movies where it's like i've in this, same as you initially very skeptical one just because like what like what else is there to say? They got punished about this? with two and
1: three. Yeah. You know?
0: Exactly. So it's like, yeah, the reception of two and three was bad enough. It was like like why would you even want to do this? And then on top of that, it's like I'm also skeptical in the sense of like I'm over you know like real movie fans, like um uh beyond just like people who go see movies, but like people like we've all been decrying the the proliferation of sequels and remakes and Good point. So much. But mm. then it's one of those things where, like, when when it's this, you like the matrix. Like, it's it's impossible, it, impossible to overstate how important and incredible the matrix is as a movie. Like, just the matrix one, like, the movie we're going to cover later, it rivals it, it. It still dwarfs in comparison. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing, yeah. The matrix is, is is seminal. It's like it it was like a groundbreaking, it changed everything. Everything. Like, it's it's in like you again, impossible to overstate impossible to really put, like you could, you could you could you could do a billion words on the matrix a billion words have been said and a billion more will be said because it's that important so it's like like you said everything to lose like why would you it's like i mean it's i guess it's also like um there's nothing to lose because they've i just rewatched the um matrix sequels and there are a lot of things to like about those movies but they don't work to say like and i was talking to um uh uh my friend uh, josh okay. um Josh Levinson, uh, host of Between Two Rocks podcast on his very network. Um, he – and I was talking to him. I was like, it, the problem with the Matrix sequels? the biggest problem with them is like you could never n- meet the level of the Matrix because the Matrix was like no one ever saw this coming and it changed everything. How could you change everything again immediately after in the same world? And um, so I feel like they kind of have nothing to lose in a sense because it's like – like people already don't even like the 2 and 3 necessarily. So it's like although they are good
1: and it's <laughs> like there's the defend you can we can defend it. I'm sure I know you like it more than most people and I do too. I like 2 and 3 better than most people. Um but bottom line is you can't refute that Matrix 1 stands alone, right? Like yeah. it stands by itself. It you minus the fact that they re- they loop the Matrix, which you almost could have gotten from even the first movie, but that's a little projection there. It, the first movie says everything it needs to say about the social issues that they need to say it about, right? Yeah, They're, they they hit everything. Everything from the Matrix two and three is what was cool about the Matrix. Let's do more of that. Not mm-hmm. what was what was mind bending about the Matrix. Let's dig deeper well, into those topics. That's,
0: that's my biggest issue with um, the sequels is that they don't. I feel like philosophically, it doesn't. I mean, the architect scene in Matrix two is probably as good as almost anything in those those like. Majors 1 like it's a crazy thing to say because Majors 1 is so good but the architect scene when he's in the room with TV screens is incredible but I wish he was more philosophical and less I hate all the Zion stuff I hate all the Sentinel stuff don't explain it to me it's like let let me that's the big thing that
1: I mean we can talk that's what we're going to talk about with this next movie is like I don't need you to explain anything to me. You know what I'm saying? I don't need like. I think people need to step back. Creators need to step back and say, "Do I have you? Do I have your attention?" Yeah. Then I don't need to explain more of this. I don't need to expose because anything I expose on more will need more exposition on that. Like exactly.
0: It's Especially just, because the Matrix. You know, people talk about this all the time. If you had, if the first that Ben Marshall opening. As if, that'd be amazing if it was. Opening weekend of the Matrix, it, they 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 said people were coming out of the theater and like there would be news reporters like, like, "What is this movie about?" And no one would be able to say. But we all love it, you know what I mean? So you, we don't even understand it enough as it is. So, uh, like, but we love it, so we don't need the like like. Not only does like generally speaking, I don't think anyone needs an explanation for like, don't explain more. But specifically for this movie, it's it's such, it's well crafted and it's well um well written. But it's also such a feeling that it creates. You don't need more of that. But anyway let we'll say for resurrections is i just feel like like you said there must be something that lana sees in this story stumbled upon otherwise why like like it's because they were offered a chance to do this years ago and they said no they didn't want to do it there was so, nothing
1: left to tell they i think they specifically said there is no no more story so to tell. what
0: what what I, i'm i'm fascinated to find out even just like on a um not even in the text of the movie but the sub like um the the meta text of like what happened yeah was it was it, is it something where uh, Lana said I could just use this money or is it something like she really found I mean she's got like um David Mitchell who's an incredible author he wrote Cloud Atlas he wrote um Slade House he wrote a number Slade of great House novels Wilson. um and he's co-writing it um along with Lana and uh there's another author um which he, he he is such a philosophical and, like, mind-bending author. Maybe so it was him who brought it up and was like, hey, I was,
1: because of our past, you know, I was just throwing on the Matrix for one day because, you know, you're my homie and, yeah, that's and possible. thought of something. And but, yeah, like, so, like,
0: that fascinates me, and I'm fascinated, to like, to see how they explain. Obviously, the, the Matrix was rebooted, but, like, how they get into, you know, why Neo's back, why Trinity's back alive, like, all this stuff. Well, it's, let's be back.
1: Let's be real. Who's really back? NPH, baby.
0: He's yeah, that's that. Back. Is, that is all the fans of, of the Matrix were 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 clamoring for more Neil Patrick Harris. That's all movies. they ever wanted. I need, dude. Honestly,
1: I love Neil Patrick Harris, man. There's just certain people where like I can't get enough of him. I'm like, know what, dude? I can't get enough of you. You're great. No, he's I love great. It. Um, want to do a little Macbeth because I know we're uh, we might
0: even just skip Macbeth. Okay. And for I, I want to just get into even um, though I just
1: announced that Cohens are my favorite.
0: But. Um, <laughs> no, I think actually let's do Macbeth. Let's yeah. do Macbeth. Tragedy Macbeth. Um, this has been uh, this got announced a few years ago uh, that um, initially uh, you know the trades were saying oh the Coens are doing the tragedy of Macbeth with Denzel Washington and Francis McDormand and then it was revealed that uh, Ethan Cohen was like I'm not it's just it's just a Joel Cohen production similar it's funny that um, this year we got uh uh Lana, two movies yeah. from two famed directing uh sibling uh director teams where one of them it's only being directed by one of the um, I do want to say another first I believe
1: Ethan and Joel Cohen were the first time there was ever an official directing credit that was split. Ever. Because for the longest time I think it was always Ethan, right? It was directed by Ethan Cohen.
0: Yeah, because they would uh they would both be directing them, but they would say, like,
1: I'll only, just take writing and you'll just take uh and I think that was a big deal legally, like with unions and stuff like that, to do that because then that opens up the the floodgates on. Oh well, technically, I co-direct. You know, you know, I technically co-directed this, and you know, actors can step up. And but, anyways, that I, another first, I believe. I don't believe there's ever been a movie that's officially like you know that's in the guild that has had a director
0: and before them. So, it might be true. I think if 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 it ever happened before, it would be in a legal sense where they said like. Because you know, sometimes uh, the studio will take a director off a movie and they'll put somebody else on. Snyder. What the um the SAG and DGA rules like um <laughs> do is basically if like for writing credits, if you if if you can prove that you've written like thirty percent of a script, like thirty percent of your ideas are in this script, you get a writing credit exactly. no matter what. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a similar thing with like, it, before the Coens. I think if, if if it ever had happened before, it would be like. Legally, we have to uh, do it this way because, like you, like um, you didn't just redo this movie entirely. You um, some of this other person's work made it into the movie. But um, I mean that's just Denzel Washington. I I feel like is I'm so excited for this movie with Denzel Washington working with the Coens because I feel like Ridley Scott aside, Denzel has not of all the great actors of the last, you know, 40 years, I feel like Denzel has gotten the least amount of opportunities to work with, uh, not really Scott, uh, Tony Scott, um, to work with, like, truly great act- um I mean, Spike Lee is incredible. Like, he's, I mean, some of the... Uh, my favorite and two of... Uh, some of Denzel's best performances came from Spike Lee. So, Spike Lee aside, I feel like... I feel like if Denzel Washington was a white actor, he would have worked with so many more, um, critically acclaimed, great directors and gotten even more... Like, he's... Denzel's been in a lot of like okay movies, but he is just like he's one the of the driving great Screen presence yeah. yeah.
1: He's the drive. It's not hey, I have a really good product and I need you to lend your star to this. It's we need your star and then everything behind the movie comes after that. You yeah. know. So
0: that's why tragedy even is so exciting for me is because like I wish more and he's getting older and I think I can actually lend himself to acting in more um, even more great roles. But I wish he got a chance that to to, to work with so many more of the great. Um, directors in Hollywood and just to see what those movies would have been like you know what I mean like um, I think he's every bit as talented as Daniel Day-Lewis and I but it's, yeah. it's just that he, Daniel Day-Lewis Paul Thomas Anderson goes to him uh, um, uh, Spielberg will go to him like they don't people don't come to and I, I don't know what he's been offered you know I don't know the behind the scenes stuff but I, I feel like well he was a Shakespearean stage actor
1: I do know that. I don't know if you know that but... Yeah. um yeah, so he's it's incredible. like this is going to be a this is going to be a layup dunk on him. I mean, I, I, it, I one thing I just want to Sorry, go ahead. Keep going on that.
0: I mean, yeah, continue your point. Um he's I mean, instant uh best actor nominee. Like it, it's 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 written in stone already. He's he's a nominee no matter what. There's no doubt. There's no but, doubt. Yeah, I just I just wish um someone like him, I feel like black actors don't get the opportunities. I mean, we all know this, but like to get to work with these great, um, like Adam Driver, right? Great mm-hmm. actor, but Adam, like people talk about, Adam Driver has worked with like pretty much every great director at this point already. Like, like, and he's like, he's only been acting for like eight. I would say seven, eight, eight, eight ten, years. Yeah. yeah, I mean Denzel Washington has been in the game for thirty years, and but he's only worked with like, a, a, like in terms of like names only like two or three like really great directors and um again i don't know if that's him choosing not like what i know part of his career is like i want to work on i want to do the equalizer like Mm. it's not like he's being forced to do the equalizer or two guns i'm i'm sure some of those are choices but some of it is just like these there are roles that are only being sent to white actors and not black actors because denzel washington is like he's it's him and leo as like him leo and i'll say tom hanks as the of the last thirty years, these are the like the act like the great, truly great uh, like actors. I mean, you know, there's a, there's a pretty few, short list, but there's, there's a few more like Brad, um, Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt, uh, Daniel Day Lewis, Daniel Day Lewis. Um, um,
1: I would even, George Clooney. I would put Clooney in here. Yeah, um, I would say he has the most similar career to Clooney. It seems like yeah. And again, you don't know, but Clo- like its hard, man. It's Clooney hard has the out. Coens. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, yeah. Clooney's
0: got the chance to Soderbergh. He's got the Coens. He's got like, I it, it just—it's just not fair to me. I just uh, so I'm so so excited for this. Um, Francis McDormand and uh, Denzel Washington are like. Again, like Frances McDormand is one of the great actresses of the last thirty years. So it's- she's an actor. Like uh, she, she could. I think she's the type of person
1: that makes you wonder why is there a male? Why is there a distinction? No, for sure. I didn't even mean oh, to do that in that sense. And but- not, no, no, and not. Hey, we we think in Oscar categories. Hey, guys, just so you know, like bottom line is subconsciously we're always reviewing movies based on the the Oscar uh, nominations, and it sucks, but it's the truth. And hopefully by the time we have kids, that won't be the case anymore. But no, I mean I'm just as a compliment to her, less a uh, criticism on the Oscar system. She makes you wonder like there should just be a Best Actor category, and like she could win it. You know, like uh, yeah, she's amazing. I'm really excited for the style. I think A24's production has been unbelievable, and what they're doing is they're. Um, so I'm looking up like Ingmar Bergman, right? And I can't find the name of it was like a there's a there's like French New Wave, and then there's like the Swedish. Fantasy film. There's something I can't name. There's a genre basically, right? yeah. like they, Where everything's very flat. It's very on set. You know what I'm saying? But they're doing a lot, like Seventh Seal, right? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, even though that's actually a lot on location. um But, but it
0: feels very uh, almost um theatrical, and like in a sense of like stage, like stage, this is a yeah. stage
1: performance yeah. that is being filmed, right? And I think that they're doing that, and they're ca- capturing the right stories of that time. um I think the I think it's gonna be amazing because they're doing what's like, hey imagine Ingmar Bergman had the tools we have today. What would that movie look like? Yeah. Black and white though still, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, But hey, they had the, the clarity, the production value, et cetera, et cetera. What is, how much cleaner will it look? You know, little, little things like that. How many, you know, best rule of thumbs, 85% of the, uh, 15% of the effort will get you 85% of the result. 85% of the effort will get you the last 15. Mm-hmm. So it's like, that's the money, right? And it sucks as someone who aspires to make films. is like, damn. Bottom line is what's going to make this film look better is money.
0: But I mean, it's everything. It's money is it sucks. it's it's a shame, but money really is. Uh, it's, it's, gonna be- it's a difference maker. It's, it really is. Um, it's and not, good. Not, 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 not that something can't be made on a lower budget, but uh, and not that having a huge budget will result in quality. But like, if you have the passion, like like you said, the eighty five percent, fifteen percent kind of rule if you have the passion and you also have people willing to fund, like you can make incredible things. Like, I mean, apocalypse now doesn't get made without, um, uh, Coppola just they say like, I'm going to spend as much possible money as possible. Like, I mean, it, it, it it's what you don't do as a director. You go, you don't go over. I mean, he went over a year over schedule. He went so seventeen f- miles of film, like a million miles of it film. It was a million. It's, it's it's crazy. I said seventeen, mm-hmm. and it's a million, guys. Like think um, about that. Think about editing that. It's 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 truly like when you talk about indulgent. Like, but the result is Apocalypse Now. Hard um, to... But uh, yeah, money is is huge. But yeah, I, just, I mean, I'm so excited for this. It's just like I, I just I wish. You know, you can't go back in time. But, man, if we got to see Denzel working with, like, Scorsese or... um, That would have been amazing. Amazing that he didn't have to work with Scorsese, to be honest. Whoever. You know what I mean? Like, um... The the Coens before The Coens. I was going to say, the Coens before this... um, Paul Thomas Anderson,
1: whoever he it, can't be in a Tarantino movie. I feel like I, I, I don't feel like I, feel I like could see she, it.
0: I could see it in like a Kill, like not Kill Bill, but like um, like an Inglorious Bastards kind of vibe. I could totally like or it's interesting or like um, not hateful late, um, hateful Eight. like um, hateful that hateful kind eight. of I, I like later period Tar- I can't. Uh, I guess it's I, hard. It's I, I, hard I to see without. It's hard to see without. I could see it in any period. I could see him. Like a '90s Denzel and Reservoir Dogs. I don't know mm. if he necessarily fits in that movie necessarily, Ooh. but in like that style of, or no, he would fit been Jackie Reservoir Brown. Yeah, me, like when he was like, yeah. come on, dude. Yeah, like, of course, he yeah. could absolutely like.
1: That's a that's a great. One. I think Reservoir Dogs, even right there, is yeah. a great one. It's like what there's. I he could be any character. He could literally have been any character at that table. Yeah. Um, except for probably no, I think he would have done a great uh, Mr. Brown, which is the guy that cuts the ear off. I believe. Um, who is my favorite, Mike Madsen. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Speaking of budget, though, the budget of the raid was guess how much?
0: Uh, I'm gonna say eleven million dollars. Eleven million?
1: Yeah. Uh, ten percent of that. One point 1. Mi- 1. One... one million.
0: Dollars. You know, I, I should have known that because it was an Indonesian production. Uh, which there's there's no way you're gonna get eleven million dollars. Uh, for 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 that.
1: It's this is the type of stuff people that you need to understand. Like. One, watch that movie, and there is a lot of stuff that you could comment on. I mean, in terms of like, yes, like they're they are going cheap here, right? And when you think about what gets done though, compared to things like guess how much the budget for SWAT was starring Colin Farrell? Seventeen million. Seventy million dollars. <laughs> early two thousands. Imagine what this guy would have done with seventy million dollars.
0: It's insane. Oh, let me just introduce this uh, Oh, this I apologize. Part. My this, bad. So I wanted to talk to Gerald about the ten-year anniversary of uh, Gareth Evans' 2011 Indonesian action martial arts thriller, *The Raid*. Um, it was directed, as I said, by written, written, directed, and edited by Gareth Evans, who is a Welsh filmmaker. Um, he had made one film previously called *Marintao*, also a uh, Indonesian production, and um, it is, I believe one of the probably three most influential movies of the last 10 or so years in in, in it's uh, in action in action okay um, i would say no yeah not no, nah, it, yeah. not overall but like yeah, yeah. in in uh, in action um, it was uh, essentially remade in america as um, well one dread the judge dread uh, remake in i think it was 2012 or 13 was directly um Almost like a beat for beat sort of like reskinning of this movie. They basically put the dread uh character in this world. Like it's it's essentially that. Um there was a there was a sequel, um, and there was the uh there was a kind of uh kind of ripoff of this called uh what was it not attack the block, that was the um um Trying to think of uh, what. Tech is the oh, it's John the one Vig- with the uh,
1: with jo- uh, Walker, right? Yeah, Paul Walker. Paul Walker. That's what I was thinking of the whole time. Um, like uh, it's like uh, it's like the Thirteen Heights, or it's like. Uh, oh, give me man. one second. Uh, just wait. type in Johnny. Wa- John I'm gonna Walker. cut, cut John this part it's Paul out. Paul Walker. Uh, um, uh, actually, keep this part in and uh, double it and then triple it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, I'm just gonna look it up. We can cut this out. All cut all out. of that. You sure, you're looking at Paul Walker because it should be like the first thing that comes up. I think it's called Brick Mansions. Actually,
1: yes, I think you are right. Actually, yes,
0: 2014's Brick Mansions, which is, uh, I mean, essentially just the raid. It's it's the raid in America, and it's nowhere near as. Uh, What's the budget of that movie? The bu- the budget of Brick Mansions is 70- twenty million. million dollars. Um, wow. and it's I mean it's it's wow. it's got it's got RZA, it's got Paul Walker um it's it's got everything but good yeah it's you know distributed by relatively relativity media it's 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 a testament to um how sometimes money doesn't equate to uh a quality because what you have to have is the passion and the the talent behind the uh, the camera that really is i mean one for one thing um asian action films especially martial arts uh it's they're almost universally always better like if it's an asian production made in asia whether it be uh in, whether it be in indonesia whether it be in thailand whether it be in uh obviously uh hong kong cinema of the 80s and and uh beyond is some of the best action all time but like even when sometimes when they get those choreographers to work on uh, the american remake or the american production it they lose out because the style of filmmaking is is so much different. I, I watched this video on Jackie Chan one time, and he was talking about how uh, just the way they edit action um, is so much different. Where like you don't even feel the impact the same way when a punch is thrown. Like he's like like in 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 Hong Kong, what he would do is he would have the master shot, which is the wide shot. He him throwing the punch, and then he would cut to. Um, and you would see the punch land, and then it would be a second shot from the side of uh, the other side of the actor, where it's the same shot from the other side, where you see the punch being thrown still. So then it feels like the the punch is extended through the cut, and then if the person like flies off. You could see like um, the impact feels more uh, powerful. When it's shot that way, versus where we're, we're, uh, an American action scene, they would have like twelve cuts in one punch, and it's like, what what am I even watching here? And also, like, what is this even trying to communicate? Jackie Chan is so incredible, and so many um, incredible uh, uh, choreographers in uh, Asian cinema are great at communicating story through action, and every everything is story, which people don't really like. That. Everything is storytelling in a movie, or should be. Like even even a little five second fight scene is telling a story of how this how this fight was won you know what I mean and, and the great action directors do that and um like if you're not getting um that kind of talent behind the camera uh it's just not gonna feel the same it's I mean Paul Walker is never gonna be fighting as well as Ico Weiss who's uh the star of the raid because thank you like, for saying that not letting me uh, because <laughs> letting me I mean he's is uh, a lifelong practitioner of uh Salat which is um uh, penchak salat which is uh the martial Indonesia. arts style indonesian uh, martial arts style practicing this movie and it was popularized uh, that's all
1: he was doing he wasn't an actor man yeah. this the uh, garth just saw him like practicing in the park one
0: day and was like hey i have a film wanna like yeah, yeah. and that's how he got into marital and then he they they choreographed these movies and he stars in them him and uh raron uh yuhan who is the um he plays mad dog in this movie he's uh kind of the the underboss of the main uh, drug dealer. I knew he
1: was the. I knew he was the core one of the core And
0: uh, I mean, you're never going to have somebody sell it as well as those guys, unless it's somebody like you know Keanu Reeves, who I mean Keanu like dedicates his life to being as the best possible fighter that he can be in his movies and make it look as realistic as possible. And most actors, I mean, I, I didn't even see Brick Mansions, but I, I'm pretty sure they're not doing even they were more, more parkour arts. they were doing more parkour yeah. that was, so
1: can i make a, a a thing there i think there's a re- maybe a correlation on why this is happening and i would say it to uh, it's the reason why american basketball is probably the best right because we have a pool of talent you can go down the street and right. go to a basketball park and and see someone shooting around and maybe find talent you know especially in new york city you go to the hotbeds and you can find someone who might be able to play on an actual nba court not likely but Where are the dojos around here, right? And where, Mm -hmm. more importantly, where are the people who are performing performing martial arts not to hurt someone but as an actor, right? There are pools of people who want to be noticed and want to be um, on film as, I don't want to say circus, but like they know, hey, I'm not trying to be Jackie Chan, but I do love these movies. I do dedicate my life to martial arts. I just need to be an extra on four or five of these movies a year and I'll be, you know, I'll be good. We'll just keep churning them out. And those guys are such a cut above because they've been doing it since they were nothing and now that is their whole life they are cut above the next person and i would say the equivalent would be like a yao ming or it's like there is don't get me wrong there can be an american who is who's had the same michael k white right or am i saying michael k white um michael jai white, michael jai white. um yeah,
0: he's actually uh, opening a studio in new haven that's great I, you
1: know, I know he was a bridgeport native and i know they said that uh he like kicked the high beams of his gymnasium which is like you don't doubt it when you know the guy yeah. you know what i'm saying like when you've seen the guy work but anyways not saying it's not possible, but the pool of Yeah is what for makes every the difference. one
0: Michael Jai White, there are a hundred whoever else is. You know what I mean? Like training with because, each other. Like I mean, martial arts is not as much of a part of our culture here. Uh, because like it's it's uh it's so much easier to train a martial artist to be an action star than it is to train an action uh, an actor to be a martial artist. Like Absolutely. because like you you can there's there's there are kind of cheats. Uh, in in acting, where you're like this guy doesn't have to. He's not. You don't have to. He's not doing. Um, he's not doing Macbeth here necessarily. Not not to say that he's incapable, but I'm saying like, like you don't have to like have um a martial artist necessarily um doing Hamlet uh soliloquies. You can have him like this movie is is there's probably if you condense the, it's probably five minutes of total dialogue in this movie. It's almost all told through action and um visual uh visual storytelling it's 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 so it's so lean and efficient and smart and inventive there's so much to love about this movie so much um i didn't even think i gave the rundown of the the plot of the movie basically the plot of uh the raid is there is a um an indonesian uh police team uh basically with their version of a SWAT team who has to um there is um they are conducting a raid on a uh, apartment complex run by a drug lord who um who kind of runs the city He specifically runs this building like he has control 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 of this building as they enter the building they have to fight their way up to the top floor where uh the drug lord is located and um it things go awry and pretty much immediately um he turns the drug lord turns the uh residents of the building against uh, the police, by uh, promising them uh, free residence in the building for the rest of their lives if they uh, help kill the cops. And um, yeah, it, 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 they kind of, I love, one of the things I love about this movie is how um, they are lured into a, not even a sense of security, but a sense of like, the police believe that this is going to be an easier task than uh, it ends up being because, um, you know, they they kill the guards outside pretty quickly um there's one incident with like someone's going to go snitch to uh um warn the uh, the drug lo- drug dealers that uh the police are in the building he shot and then they they kind of silenced the uh the person he was yelling to and then by the time they get to the fifth floor i love how um the kingpin is just kind of kind of like uh, he talks to them over the loudspeaker he's just like all right, like, like like let's begin. You know I me mean? like he's like like we're coming after you and like good luck. We and wanted then, you to get in here. Yeah, he's like he's like this is part of the plan. Like, like um, and the actor who plays um the kingpin uh what's his name I have uh it's Ray Sahatepi. um he's so good because so he good. has like a he has such a striking look and he plays it um he plays he plays it with a heartlessness but he's also like a, a like a rage behind his eyes. And, he says paranoia. Never never doubt the price of... Never doubt the benefit uh, of persistent paranoia. I think that's yeah. what it is. That paranoia is driving him. You know, that's... He, um, I, remember, I love when um, there's, a, there's a scene where... It's an incredible scene where um, the lead, uh, uh, Rama, played by Iko Owais, he um they're trapped in a... The, the cops... The remaining cops, there's only like seven of them left at this point, they're trapped in one of the apartments, and they're being attacked from outside the door, underneath the floor and above he rips out a propane tank it um opens uh opens the gas puts it in a refrigerator pushes up against the door throws a good um uh, a grenade in there and it blows it up incredible shot the refrigerator shoots across the room and then from upstairs uh the kingpin is just like uh he sends his two uh, underbosses and he's like uh, he says he says specifically, I want this situation under control. Like like it not that like this is this is he he's not treating it like it's mayhem. He's just like he said like like the like the printer was like he ran a print shop and the printer hasn't been working for the last hour. I was like I can get this situation under control. It was so casual. Like this is like he he's made for this. No, it's uh,
1: he the so this is what I'm gonna say. I think it's hard to judge the acting in a foreign language film. Um personally, I'm a language driven person. And I I hear a lot of you know sarcasm and aggression and anger, and I I take that. I still watch subtitles on even English movies. Um, I think the dialogue here was weak. It was mostly exposition, but the acting was phenomenal. And I've heard some other complaints, and I don't know where they're getting it from. Um, the the dude who was the the chief leading the the SWAT team, not. The the dude who's like the the white haired uh So
0: you're talking about Joe Taslim. He's like the um He was like the the special ops leader. Yeah, he plays uh actually plays uh Sub Zero in the not Sub Zero, um Yeah, he plays Sub Zero in the and in, in New Mortal Kombat. He um, he, fant- he was so fantastic, man.
1: I mean like there's and then uh just basically the acting in the movie was incredible. There there was stories being told. Um and even the biggest thing I noticed was from an extra standpoint, anytime someone got punched I think they were actually punching each other. Well, that's because uh, they were like the 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 cheeks and the lips were like being smushed, and it wasn't fake. It was like I I just was like looking at their mouths as they got hit, and I'm like, oh, they're getting punched right now.
0: Well, that's one of the things I was uh, one of the points I make about like really good martial arts filmmaking is you feel the impact of every even like, sometimes. I mean. You a feel lot of everything in this yeah media. a lot of martial artists uh in um especially outside of the US they talk about like oh we were we were throwing punches like yeah, obviously we were holding something back but like we're making contact because it, it looks better but um but also because these guys are lifelong practitioners practitioners of salat and um they also choreact the choreograph the fights it doesn't feel like they're going through the motion so not only are you getting like the like every punch every kick every uh, bullet hit every like machete like cut whatever it all feels visceral and real but on top of that it doesn't ever feel like these guys are going through the motions of the fight it never feels like like i'm just because like you ever see sometimes in a, in a in a in a in a martial arts movie or just any sort of fighting in a movie where it's like people are trading blows but it just feels like they're just going through the choreography like like no one's getting hurt and they're just kind of like just trading punches this this all feels like um the way they move the way they dodge punches the way they absorb punches it all feels like it's obviously you know it's choreographed but it doesn't feel like people going through okay now you punch me and then i dodge this like
1: there was only a couple times where uh the main character um i I called him ramos that's his character name right yeah um he sometimes he would turn around a corner and be ready to fight yeah, someone. Yeah, yeah. He would like turn around and anticipate them. And the way I qu- equated it to is as if someone had played a video game level multiple times.
0: Yeah, so you know And they know okay, he's the gonna next, shoot the laser around he, the corner, so dodge it and then go. Yeah.
1: And honestly, at a certain point, I wrote that down as a negative criticism during the movie, and then I erased it. I don't normally do that. I did that because there's just so much goddamn action that there's the three or four times I noticed that out of the hundred times he had the opportunity to do that, it's like, at a certain point, these are human beings not fighting. So, like, it's going to not be real. And, you know, there's just those things, man, where it's just like, at a certain point, you know what you're going into a movie for. And, you know, I'm just going to kind of cut to my opinion of this movie. And I would put this in... The way I rate movies is just a grading system, like, literally F to A, and A, and a plus, you know, being extraordinary. And I rate, I rate it an A plus. And the reason I rated it an A plus is because... I think my new criteria is what makes you rewatch a movie?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think it's the perfect question to ask because sometimes it's the thought. Sometimes it's the cinematography. Sometimes it's the editing. Sometimes it's the acting performance. Sometimes it's just the fucking story, right? Yeah. Sometimes you're seven years old and Snow White's on and you want to watch something that comforts you. And that, and I think by looking at through that prism, all movies kind of come onto a level playing field. It doesn't matter the budget. It doesn't matter what the story was. It doesn't matter the actor, or the director, or anything. What matters is do I wanna watch this movie again? And to me, I res- I you know, a B plus is probably like, okay, this is a good movie that I won't rewatch. Mm-hmm. It that I put that in A. I put it A plus because of the cultural significance. Um, but I give it an A plus because bottom line is I'm gonna fucking watch this movie again. Yeah, and I'm I've gonna watch it, so it again times. and again yeah. and again. And a movie that makes me wanna do that is worthy of the highest grade.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. Like one of the my criteria for a movie is like is this movie succeeding at what it's tr- uh, attempting to succeed at? That's a right? great question. And, um, great question. This movie uh, had pretty like positive reviews overall, but I remember uh, Ebert, Roger Ebert, rest in peace, uh, to the great, uh, he gave this movie uh, one star out of four, Ooh, and he criticized the rog. lack of character depth, and he said, uh, Gareth Evans knows there's a fanboy audience for his formula and with special effects amp up the mayhem and senseless carnage. And I always quibbled with that review simply because... There's no point in this movie where, like, it's the movie's not even really about the characters. Like, if anything, there's
1: too much character development. It's like, hey, you don't need to know his wife's pregnant. That makes him actually irresponsible.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's it's one of those things where it's like, there's no part of me that at the end of this movie was like, man, this would have been this is a B, but it would have been an A if I knew more about this guy's, you know, like what was driving him. Like, because it's such a bare bones premise. Uh, intentionally, that I don't need to know more. There's a guy that we have to get at the top of on the top floor. That's all you need to know. You yeah. know, I mean? like the, like they, there's there's really no and, and and they do a great job even within that bare bones premise of of having good character moments. Like um uh Bo-wo, uh Bow-wo, um he's a kind of the asshole cop Um yeah, yeah. uh and he's the one who gets shot in the ear um pretty early on he's immediately you see him as an asshole. He's really established as like a antagonist within the protagonist of this, like the, the protagonist group. And you get character depth with Rama uh, or a character development. And like, you see his true character by him, uh, saving his life. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, one of the best scenes in the movie is when, when this, is when the action, the, the martial arts really kicks off is when I think they're on the sixth floor, uh, uh, bobo has been uh injured he's been shot in the ear he's also been shot in the in the torso and rama is carrying him and he's trying to get him to an apartment of uh someone who might help him and he as he he has to fight off you know 20 assailants as he's holding up uh bobo like so like and this guy he, he doesn't like this guy Rama's no is the best guy. protagonist
1: ever yeah. he the the thing i like the most about this movie and wherever it failed in characterness and development um um, is that he was such a good person, and it's like, know what? I like the one-minded good person because, in a weird way, that is the most dynamic character I've seen. You know what I'm saying? It's like, wow, this guy is nothing but good and positivity. We can question some of his motives on why he went and did this, but bottom line is he he was just a great guy, and I was rooting for him the entire. I never once was like, I kind of hope. You know, sometimes you start rooting against the protagonist. Yeah. I never once rooted against him. Phenomenal. I absolutely loved it.
0: No, it's 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 just excellent. Like it's sometimes something is sometimes things are underwritten, and sometimes things are written just as much as they need to be. I don't need any more about this guy. I don't need any more depth for any of these characters because, like, I don't need to know like how. uh, the 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 drug lord became the drug lord I, or like oh, why what is his mo like it, he's a drug lord he's like a drug lord and this is his building and it's and one of the things I love about this movie is it's very lean it's it's an hour forty and it gets to the action like it, you understand the premise immediately it's explaining the premises within the, for the first three minutes and they get to it very quickly um, there's, um, I just want to run through some some other great scenes that I loved in this movie there's the famous uh, shot in the hallway fight with Rama. As he's been attacked, this is when he's being attacked by the the gang of guys with machetes. And he kicks a door, he kicks a guy through a door, and uh, the, at the bottom of the door is the only part that's remaining. And then he um, he's fighting a guy in the hallway, and then he jumps backwards and pulls him in the neck, uh, like slices his off. neck oh. on the, the, the door that's... And one of the best, like, at the time, no one was doing action like this. Like, so, this is credit to Gareth Evans. Um, the dropping that when they chop through the hole with the axe, and then they drop the camera... Through the hole. I was going to say that's another incredible... Like, Unbelievable. First of all, the inventiveness of like, how are we going to shoot this? How are we going to maximize the space, right? So it's like, you know, most times you these guys are trapped in the room. It's like, okay, they're going to be trapped in here. They're going to try to either get out through the window or they're going to get out through the, somehow find a way out but there's like, what if we go through the floor? You know yep. I mean? And that's, one it's it's brilliant as a filmmaking um choice but also brilliant as a character choice because it's like okay it's like they're gonna still think we're in here this, this...
1: guy's a leader and that just makes you have a drama be like oh this guy is is a different yeah, like, level. he's not the leading he's yeah. not
0: he's not the um the captain but he has he he immediately assumes the role of like okay like we're in trouble I'm I'm skilled. It's let's get us out it of it here. Yeah,
1: that was my favorite thing. I was like, the best thing about him being the protagonist that I love was the fact he wasn't the
0: captain. Yeah, he rose to the occasion. Um, yeah, that, I mean, it's an incredible shot. First of all, to, again, brilliant to like, put an axe through the floor and like, let's let's, let's go down. And because, um, and then brilliant, like the, the I mean, Gareth Evans is so talented uh, at like shooting on this budget, but also, again, maximizing the space, maximizing the, um, the 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 filmmaking techniques to to tell the story through the action taking the camera down through the hole and then following the action through is is so it's so smart again i also love the um the 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 refrigerator explosion with the propane tank i thought that was excellent um i love the scene when um when the the machete wielder they when they're in the wall it reminds me of that scene from the um, the, matri- the first matrix when they're in the walls um, and they're being uh when when cipher uh betrays them mm-hmm. and they uh, they um they're fighting and then they all slide down um uh, all of the um uh, the matrix gang yeah as I'll call them the uh the matrix squad the Matrix squad um yeah it's, it's and he's so anyway um the guy with the machete he's poking holes in the wall with the machete trying to find where they are and then that, that last he finally gets to where they are and he cuts them through his face. and Rama realizes that he has to wipe the blood off the blade before he pulls it out or like he, they'll know he's in there. And he, like one, it's just great like no he has to be silent. He has to keep uh Boo silent because he's 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 been shot. and he's in pain. But also he has to stay silent i think been like had a machete slice his face and then having to wherewithal like i gotta I have to wipe the blood off this blade as it leaves and it's still in his face like it's just incredible like if you've ever been sliced
1: in the face which i have it's like it is an unbelievably uncomfortable feeling it's yes. like an unbelievable and he portrays it just right with a lot with all the heroism and sorry for uh, keep keep breaking down these awesome scenes i love it
0: no yeah. um uh what else did i have um The sniper scene when um, I love the filmmaking choice to... You sh- you see the snipers approach the window. You see them take the shot. You see them mention that there's a guy on the ground screaming. Let him scream. But you don't see who they um, who they shot until you do, uh, you uh, you cut to which is essentially the reverse shot of the police in the other building looking out the window to see who was shot, and then they shoot that guy. Like it's such a brilliant thing. It's like to withhold the information. Like you know who they shot. You know they must have shot cops. But to to frame it so you you see it all from the sniper's perspective and then you cut back to the police's perspective because there's no one outside. So you wouldn't have a camera down there. And there's, I mean? there's two things about that scene in
1: particular that I loved the most. And it was one, you watch them aim, right? Mm-hmm. You're watching their shoulders go up and down. They're they're aiming at, they're watching the people, right? And you could tell that one person's like the master and the other one's the apprentice. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about action revealing a story, right? Yeah. You I thought those snipers were gonna become a, a, a an intense part of the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, anyways, just that that one little scene, my girlfriend noticed it. I had to rewind, I'm like, what are you talking about? And she's like, just the way you see them do that, I'm like, wow, beautiful storytelling. Also, normally I would doubt that. Like, why would that guy just stand there and look? Like, what just happened? When you see where those guys that got shot, the people who did get shot, once they reveal it, if I was in that room. And I saw someone drop outside right there. I'd be like, "There's no way that shot happened from behind me." Yeah. Because like normally the next person that gets uh, that gets sniped, you're like, "Yo, why are you standing right in the fucking yeah. path of?" W-? There's no way in real life I would have been able to tell that the people that just dropped that out outside actually just got shot from the person behind me. And I just, I love those type of like. They actually must have hired a sniper to like scope out that spot. I just feel like there's that little level of like detail that is just awesome, you know?
0: Yeah, it's just like, um, again, it's just like on even on this budget, it's 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 talent. You know, what I mean, it's talent and it's Straight. vision. Um, because I was you know I was doing some research on the movie. I've seen it a bunch of times, but just you know just to brush up for the movie. And, um, Gareth Evans' initial plan was to do a much bigger, uh, action movie before doing the raid and then it ended up he's like let me just pare it down and make it this um and then that a lot of the, I- the ideas that uh he had for that movie into becoming entering the raid 2 which you haven't seen i'm very excited for you to see the raid 2 Can't wait. The raid 2 is like i remember uh, w- one of my uh really good friends who's now in korea uh rest in peace to him uh I did he die in, in korea no, he's just like he's dead to me because he's no longer in america okay no, uh, my friend Matt we went to so we went to see the raid 2 together twice I believe and there's a scene uh, where uh, two characters fight and we were just like I mean I was like 24 at this time and we were like basically acting it out, out like that's how good it was like that's how great a fight scene was that like we we as adults he's much older than me we were like acting out the fight scene in the middle of the street in front of the movie theater because it was so good so but I love I made the point about um, the budget thing to say like he he realized that he didn't need that big thing, to that big budget, and that that was the big ideas to make a movie. And he used the tools, he used the the talent pool that he had, and the skill makers, uh, the uh, filmmaking skills that he possessed to make the best possible movie under these circumstances. And it's one of the most. Again, there are, are they've been trying to make an American, like an official American remake. Remake. Uh, there's been talks of it for years. There's. Um, Brick Mansions, which which is uh just a paltry attempt at this, and then Dread, which is again, is basically just the raid with the Judge Dread character, uh, um, whooping ass.
1: Yeah, so he should do Assault on Precinct Thirteen. I mean, I know they already remade it like about less than two decades ago. He, he would make a perfect Assault on Precinct Thirteen, and uh, I forgot where I was gonna go with the next one on the next movie that he should
0: make. Um, I want to see him do. John Wick. I would love to see him. Like obviously, the 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 people who do John Wick are some of the stunt coordinators um, from the Matrix movies. They work with Keanu forever, but as directors, I don't think they're as talented as directors as um, <clears throat> as uh, Gareth is. Yeah. And I would love to see him. I I'd love to see him just having um, more. He he, oh, he a There's a television show called Gangs of London. He's uh, he's so he. You know, obviously, he got some phone calls after um these movies came out because they were just so uh just, there, there is a huge moment 2011 when this movie came out it was is a big deal um he, he he's offered to do um i think uh justice league dark and a couple other movies but he never ended up doing them Ooh. but i would love to see him doing more like i love to see i would love to see more people who have skill directing great action getting the chance to actually direct action in the I would say I would actually
1: I, I think he's a better director than just an action director there's a lot of the edit he no, edited sure. it too and I, I wrote that I was down I was like wow this movie's really well edited he edited the movie yeah. which is so hard to do as a director by the way um and what I was gonna say is old boy right so first thing that came to my mind was oh old boy did it better care, right uh, in terms of a hallway fight scene in the end old boys won hallway fight scene which makes it better because it's less it's less watered down they only had to do it one time is the best hallway fight scene of all time. And I don't want the Daredevil one that everyone also compares it to. I think The Raid supersedes that in every direction yeah. possible. But what I will say is I would like Gareth Evans to direct a movie with less action where the like an old boy where there is moments where there is hyper violence because of the, the nature of the character.
0: It's contained so then when it, the action comes, it's so much it's more It's so yeah.
1: amazing. It's so potent. It's great. Yeah. I think that would work I we don't need another remake of the old boy of Old Boy. That let's just be honest. Um but if he could find a property similar to that, I think he would do I think he could push it to the next level. I think he could re- like I said, he his economic he was an economical storyteller. um there's almost too much storytelling in that movie. and um, you know, like the, when they're like, oh, we're going to the raid. I don't you know we' we're, we're about to raid this building. It's like you wouldn't ever debrief a police squad in As on they in transit.
0: yeah, they and should have known this
1: certain things like that I can ago. nitpick. and I, I would say the other thing too is and that's what it comes down to that old boy thing again. What was the best thing about old boy's fight sequence? He's tired. He is getting actively more and more tired.
0: Well, that's a great thing in the raid two, actually.
1: In the raid two, does he finally have energy depletion? Because like that's Dude, the one thing. The Ray it's like, two
0: is like it's a lot. It's more action actually, but he, it might be what I want. Right? Get, you see him get tired. It's, it's like it's it's at the end of the movie. He, like, like this guy's exhausted. But I don't, I don't want to tell you too much more. Um, we got to wrap. We gotta uh, we gotta I, do. I it. think we're overtime actually. But um, this was great talk. This was I would love to have you back as a guest. Please in the future. Is there anywhere um, you got a? Well, you, your show probably have passed by. So I got a out.
1: band. I think I would say that would be the thing. I, I have a band called Joy Boy. Um, but I'm really working on developing some project with Sean, uh, your your courageous host. Um, I'm trying to you know just do some more film projects and writing. So hopefully within the next year, I'll have something to to put out there that I, you know to learn from. Um, I would say I'm in like the student film phase right now. So uh, going to actually go out there and take it seriously for once. So hopefully you know as we do this. Um, we'll have some kind of anecdotal evidence to talk about what it's like to make a film, and I think our appreciation of film is only gonna get better from here uh, because of that. So, uh, yeah, check out Joy Boy. The people in my band work really hard, and they had to deal with me for a lot for a long time, and that's just you know, that's charity right there. So, do, do them a favor, hook them What's up. What's
0: the first album again? Where to Find Love and How to Lose It? Don't, yeah,
1: don't li- we're gonna remake that album. We're about to drop a new <laughs> like album, don't, is- don't listen to that album. Uh, we actually a local studio right around the corner from here called Sans Serif. Uh, a guy named S.G. Carlson or Sam Carlson, who's in a band called The Tines, um, amazing producer. Um, he took us under his wing, and we're we're doing our our second album, and we're gonna call it our first because we changed the name to Joy Boy. It used yeah. to be Happy Happy Joy Joy. Um, when we're done with this, we're gonna re redo that first album, um, which I don't normally like to do, but I think we we've hit that level. We've we lost a player, and I became the bass player and singer. So. Um, we can do something different. Anyways, uh, we're gonna drop a new album. Don't have a name for it yet, but it's gonna be dropping probably within the next quarter of a century.
0: All right, so you know, <laughs> you guys, stay <laughs> keep, tuned. Keep your stay, stay, out. stay tuned, uh, uh, world. For the next twenty five years, I'm sure it'll be an incredible. Project. What about you, man? What do you got going on? Um, this I got this. I love uh, it. Oh, yeah, this will probably be out by then. Uh, maybe not. Um, but. September 29th, I'm going to be uh, hosting a show called Read the Room. Ah. It's a comedy show at um, People Get Ready Bookstore in uh, New Haven. Come out to that. It's $10. Great lineup. Is this going to be, be out before th- then? Probably not. But okay. just, I got I to gotta say it. Um, anything else? You guys know where to follow me. Uh highbrow sean lowbrow sean on instagram nobody on asked sean nobody w- asked Shawn. one of the
1: best shows honestly man one of the best i know we're, we're running over time but that is if you guys want to get entertained for 20 minutes a week that's the way to do it awesome show
0: um i don't have a line to close the the podcast so give me throw something at me this is this will be you. cut perfect right <laughs> cut because <laughs> the movie the movie aspect
1: it's a totally different angle
0: all right you guys get out of here bye, bye.